Hey there. It's so great to have you here with us today. One Chapel is a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area, and we help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. You can learn more about the things God is doing in this community and how to get involved at OneChapel.com. I hope you enjoy this week's message from our Who Am I series. Well, good morning, One Chapel. How are we doing? Can y'all hear me? Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, so like Pastor Ross said, my name is Jansen. I've been here for just about a year now, and um, I moved here from Colorado Springs. And so um, I got to be honest with y'all, I'm starting to feel more and more like, like a Texan. I was actually back in Colorado Springs this week. Um, my little brother is graduating high school, and everybody that I'd meet at his graduation party, I'd tell them that I'm, uh, I'm in from another country. I'm from the greatest nation on the planet, which is the state of Texas. So um, yeah, but before I start, I want to give some honor where honor is due. Man, we are led by the most amazing couple, Pastor Ross and Amy. Y'all are amazing. Um, I get to see these, the, 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 really their family um, at work and then also at home, and it's really amazing, um, especially as a younger man, to just see a man that's so authentic, so genuine, the same that he is on the stage as how he is in his living room. And so can we just give God praise for our pastors? Thank you. Yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome. <clears throat> so if you've been around for the last couple of weeks, we have been doing a series called Who Am I? right? It's a series on identity. Um, we've looked at who am I when I compare myself to others? Who am I when I feel lonely? Who am I when I failed? And today we are doing who am I when I don't feel happy? <laughs> Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. Lord, I ask that this word would pierce our hearts. God, and we just ask that you would be in the room. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, hey, we're talking about happiness. And it, when we think about the pursuit of happiness, my first thought goes back to the, the Declaration of Independence, right? There, there's a passage that says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of of happiness. You don't have to look around very far to, or look at yourself very hard to know that we all kind of pursue happiness in some sense or another. For some of us, maybe it's a little more than others, but I mean, let's be real. We pursue happiness when we go get the little bit of extra queso. Lord knows that makes me so happy. When I went to college, I, I didn't gain a freshman 15, but I, I can tell you very honestly, that when I moved to Austin, it, it kind of caught up with me, all the queso, you know, Gordos, the donut burgers. Man, all that food is so good, and it really makes me happy. And so I'm happy that I live in a city where I can pursue happiness with the queso. Um, <laughs> but, you know, and also another way that you can pursue happiness is by pursuing money, right? They say that money can't buy happiness. But when growing up, hearing that phrase, I always thought that that was a load of hooey. Like, <laughs> Money can buy a jet ski, and have you ever seen someone upset on a jet ski just... No. <laughs> uh, a very famous man once said, if you think that money can't buy happiness, then you don't know where to shop. Um, and for parents, maybe money can't buy happiness, but it certainly can keep your kids in touch. Can I get an amen for that, parents in the room? <laughs> Um, but what we're talking about here isn't necessarily just these temporary moments of bliss, 
right? We're talking about something a little bit deeper. We're talking about like true happiness, true contentment, true fulfillment. And um, in this series, we've been looking at different Bible characters. We've been looking at David. We've looked at Naomi and Ruth. And today we're looking at um, the, the life and the, the writings of Solomon, King Solomon. But before we do that, I want to look at what Jesus had to say about happiness. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, Matthew 5, verse 5, Jesus says, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who are humble. That word blessed there in the Greek is makarios. I had to practice that one, makarios. And that literally translates in English to you can have happiness. So in the Sermon on the Mount, he goes through a variety of different uh, blessed are you's. And basically what Jesus was saying is you can have happiness if. In this case, Jesus is saying you can have happiness if you humble yourself. Blessed are you who humble yourself because you will inherit the earth. And so really that's what we're looking at. That's what we're looking at as the key to finding this true happiness, this true joy and fulfillment. There was a Harris poll that came out. And it said that only 33% of people, when asked if they are happy, admitted, yes, yes, I am happy. 33%. That's crazy. That means that 66, two-thirds of people, two out of three people would say that they are perpetually unhappy. So this begs the question, does God care about our happiness? I think sometimes growing up in church, we can feel like it's all about everything else, but really it doesn't really matter if we're happy or not. And if God does care about happiness, if he really does care about our well-being and our, and our happiness, then why are so few people experiencing it? Well, and I'll tell you this, the short answer is yes. God cares about everything, and he does care if you're happy. He does. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. I love this quote. He says, joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. I love that. Like I said, there, there's a difference between these moments of putting queso on our tacos and a true deep down contentment, fulfillment, and happiness. There's a difference, right? Yes. Yeah. And so what I find and what I've observed in life is that people are pursuing happiness, pursuing permanent happiness and temporary things. Don't pursue hap permanent happiness and temporary things. Don't pursue happiness in things that are here today, gone tomorrow. If you would, turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and while you're turning there, I'll just kind of give you the overview, the, the outline of this book. So it's written like a diary of a billionaire. It's written by King Solomon, and he was the king of Israel at its moment of most influence. He was the richest man. He had the most property. He had everything. King Solomon was at the top of the world. And in the 12 chapters of his book, it's written from his perspective. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter two, verse, verse one. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasures to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vine vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. 
I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired male and female singers in a harem as well, the delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. Look at this. Verse 10, I, did not, not, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my pleasure, or I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done, watch this, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. So here we have King Solomon. This guy has everything. Parties, he had everybody there. The Kardashians, Kanye West, everybody would come to King Solomon's party, right? And then for food, I would venture to say that this man had Chick-fil-A open on Sundays, <laughs> right? And don't even get me started about the wives. This dude had 300 wives and 700 concubines. And I'm just out here trying to find one. <laughs> like this man had it all. This man was famous. He was rich. He had the ladies after him. He had it all. But it's interesting to see what he writes. He pushes all the way to the limit in all the pleasures that he could possibly think of. It, it says in that passage that he denied himself no pleasure. And at the end of it, he still found himself empty. That's profound to me. It, I feel like if Solomon was around today, he might say that happiness is like a Snapchat. And now if you're maybe a little bit more advanced in years, a little wiser, we'll say, <laughs> a little wiser. <laughs> Snapchat is an app where you can send pictures back and forth and the pictures only last for 10 seconds. And I feel like if Solomon were here, he'd be like, after all of this, after all these pleasures that I pursued, happiness is fleeting, right? It's like a Snapchat. You get it for one second and then it's gone. You get it for another second, and it's gone. Maybe you got a promotion at work, and it makes you happy, and then all of a sudden, your new boss is horrible. <laughs> Maybe you finally had kids, and then the kid grows to the terrible twos, and your happiness is gone. Maybe you're looking for, <laughs> Maybe you're looking for fulfillment in a spouse. And, and you know, before your wedding, you're looking at her, and she's so beautiful, but then all of a sudden, couple years later, y'all ain't looking like you used to. Maybe that Austin 20 is, is taking its effect, right? And your happiness is gone. And see, the problem here is not necessarily that any of, of these things are inherently bad, right? It's not bad to be rich. It's not bad to, to have a spouse. It's not bad to have kids. None of those things are inherently bad. But when your happiness is rooted in that, it's fleeting, you will always be pursuing the next thing and the next thing and the next thing only to find out that there was never, ever a true source of fulfillment. And that's what King Solomon is saying here. <clears throat> it, I feel like the best picture of this is a well, right? We all have these proverbial buckets that we're trying to fill, and that would, that would signify our contentment. And we take our buckets and we throw them down a whole bunch of different wells. We throw them down maybe a, a work. We feel like if we work really hard and if we get these promotions, and it, then we'll be fulfilled. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a family. 
I don't know what it is for you, but I feel like we're all throwing our buckets down only to find out that the buckets either have holes or they can never satisfy in the first place. But Jesus said that he's the water that never runs dry. Jesus said that if you drink of his water that you'll never grow thirsty. That's the Jesus that we serve. Jim Carrey said this. He's one of my favorite actors. He said, I think that everybody should get rich and famous so that they can realize that it is not the answer. Just look around. Look at people on Instagram. Everybody wants to be a public figure. You look at somebody on Instagram, their Instagram's private. They got 70 followers, and yet they say they're a public figure. <laughs> everybody is trying to achieve these things that aren't going to fully fulfill them, aren't going to fully make them satisfied, aren't going to fully bring them the true happiness. But what if instead of pursuing happiness, we pursue Jesus and let happiness be the result? What if we started doing that? What if we started fixing our eyes on Jesus rather than our circumstances around us? Let's look at this, the contrast between Solomon and Jesus. Solomon was this king who had everything that his heart desired. He de denied himself no pleasure. He had everything, but yet he lived so empty. And then Jesus, in contrast, he denied himself everything. He served everybody. He gave up everything to ultimately live a very fulfilled, a fully filled life. Jesus emptied himself, yet lived full. Jesus emptied himself, yet lived full. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Paul writes this, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, he took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, that's a powerful, wor powerful word. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at that name, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Man, that, that has some weightiness to it. That has some power behind it. See, Jesus gave up everything he gave it all up. He died a criminal's death on a cross and through that was ultimately exalted, right? This is a backwards thinking from our culture. We think the more that we gain, the more that we gain, the more that we gain, the happier, the happier, the happier we are. But in the kingdom mindset, it's more that you give. The more that you give, the more that you give, the happier and the more fulfilled, the more full of a life that you live. Man, this, ha this happiness thing is more than just a fleeting thing. Until you give everything over to Jesus, you will never fully be satisfied. You might have Snapchat happiness, woo, for a second. Woo, for another second. But there's this point of ultimately always coming back down. Francis Chan, in his book, Letters to the Church, he writes this, God wants you to resemble his son especially when you gather with your church family. Do you show up to gatherings looking to serve? As some of you hear that question, you might feel burdened. 
like a weight was just placed on you. You already live a busy life and you want the church gathering to be a place of rest where you can be fed. If you think that sitting back and letting the church staff feed you will bring you the most fulfillment, you are so wrong. God promised that those who give will be the most blessed. Takers are the most miserable people on earth. It is our ability to take our eyes off ourselves and put them on others that, it's our inability to take our eyes off ourselves and put them on others that destroys us. This is what Jesus saves us from. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. The most humble people are typically the happiest. The most humble people are typically the happiest. Blessed are those who are humble, for they will inherit the earth. But I want to pause here for a second. Because there's a stigma around church. There's a stereotype about church culture that it's all just happy, clappy, kumbaya. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. How you doing? And it's this place of utopia. But if you've followed Christ for any number of years, you will realize that when you give your life over to Jesus, it's not all kumbaya and s'mores around a fire. <laughs> right? In John 16, Jesus says, in this life you will face suffering, but take heart. I have overcome the world. He promises us to go through suffering. So this feels like a contrast. Jansen, are you saying that, that if you just give your life over to Jesus that you're going to be happy all the time and big smile on your face? I wish that was true. I'm, I'm somebody who likes to be happy all the time. And sometimes I don't know what to do with negative emotion. <laughs> but that's, that's what Jesus is. Jesus is talking not just about this moment of bliss. He's talking about true fulfillment, true satisfaction, true contentment. But if you've walked in our doors today and you feel beat up and you feel like life's throwing everything at you, I want you to hear from us as a One Chapel staff that you are welcome here and it is okay not to be okay. This is not a church that you walk into where you gotta slap a fake smile on your face and pretend like everything's okay. Man, there are pastors and leaders that, that are around that would love to help walk you through the darkest of times. That's what this church is. That's how community should be. We should give each other permission to live our lives authentically, even if that means that stuff gets messy and still accept and love one another. That's this community. That's, you are welcome here. It is okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. See, what happens is the devil thrives in isolation. See, if you're, it, before you come to the church, you're walking around feeling so ashamed, so broken. The last thing that we want you to do is to feel like you have to put, tie a bow on yourself and feel like you have to have everything figured out and straightened out. Man, we're not looking for perfect people. We're, none of us are perfect. We are progressing people, right? Man, this is a place where you can feel free to be authentic. But it's not, it's, it's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. So how do, we, how do we gain this true Jesus type of happiness? Number one, we have to admit the role that happiness has on our, on our identity. This is a Who Am I series. This is a series about identity. And personally, I have watched a man in our church go through a loss of a job. He has to provide for his family. He has a mortgage. He has a spouse. He has lost his job. 
scary time for him. But this man does not root his identity in circumstances. He does not root his identity in the loss of the job. No, but rather, he roots his identity in who Jesus says that he is. If God is Jehovah Jireh, he roots himself in the fact that that's true. And so he's walked through this process. He still doesn't have a job. He's still searching for another job. But this man lives full of faith and full of joy because a job isn't his strength. It is the joy of Jesus Christ that is his strength. And so that's what we have to do. We have to admit that the role that happiness has on our identity. But happiness is, is fleeting. And so if we root our identity in the feeling of happiness, then it will constantly move with the ebb and flow of our circumstances. Things are going good, then I must be doing great because I'm happy. Things are going bad, man, I'm sad, I'm a bad person, whatever it is, because I'm not happy. We can't root our identity in happiness alone. We have to let Jesus, we have to follow Jesus and let happiness follow behind us. Happiness is a byproduct. Happiness isn't the end all be all. It's a byproduct of following Jesus. Don't pursue happiness. Pursue Jesus and let happiness be the byproduct. Number two, challenge your own unhappiness. How many dog owners do we have in the house? Raise your hand. Woo! Cat owners? Boo. No, I'm playing, people. I'm playing. It's okay that you guys got demons in your house, but... uh, (laughs) I, I will not bring them in mind. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Y'all be like, I'm so offended. No, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But for you dog owners, you guys are probably familiar with this process of picking up poop, right? I'm a youth pastor. I got to mention poop at some point. You're, you're familiar with this process of picking up poop. But what happens if you don't confront the poop and you pick it up? Maybe you're walking out in your backyard and you step in it. Okay, if you don't confront it then, then guess what? It's going to follow you. And that smell is going to follow you. You're going to track it into your house. Maybe get it on your wood floor. Maybe get it on your carpet. Maybe get, if you keep it on too long, maybe you get in your bed and you got, now you got it in your sheets. <laughs> right, but happiness is kind of like that. You know, it starts with something. It starts with an event. And I'm not, saying, I'm not here saying that, oh, if everything bad happens in your life, then you should just have the happiest emotion. That's not what I'm saying. It's okay to have an adverse reaction, an adverse emotion to things, but the problem is is when we don't confront it and face it head on. Then it just starts to follow us, right? You know, you got it on your, your furniture, you got it in your carpet, but it's like, you know, you take it into conversations. Like miserable people, when they don't confront it, they take it to the communities around them, right? You got like Johnny Raincloud walking in. You know, and and it makes a difference, but what we have to do is we have to challenge it. We have to confront it. How do we do that? It's a great question. In 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul says, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. And we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. What that means is we have to take control of our thoughts. We have the ability to think. We can change our thoughts. All this verse is saying is we have to make our thoughts obedient to Christ. We have to recognize when we're dwelling on an unhappy thought and we have to confront it and make it obedient to Christ. What does that mean? In 
in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, Paul says, so faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. Faith comes by hearing. We have to start hearing the word of God. We have to start replacing the negative influences and the negative voices in our life with the word of God. I played football for a long time and our coaches would always say, garbage in, garbage out, whenever we're going into a game. What they were saying is, is if you put garbage into your body, if you're show, pulling up to a game with Mountain Dew and powder, powder donuts, you're going to probably play like garbage. And I feel like the same thing is true with what we're feeding our souls in this walk with Christ. The same thing is true. If all we're hearing is the negative voices of the news, if all we're hearing is the negative voices of our friends, if all we're hearing is the negative voices of the music we listen to, that's going to that's gonna permeate inside our souls. And that's going to come out of us somehow. So I just want to challenge you. What are the voices that you're listening to? What are the influences that have the loudest voices in your life? What if we downloaded Bible in one year? and listen to that every day. I'm trying to get brownie points, y'all. <laughs> what if we did that? Garbage in, garbage out. What if we had the word of God in, the word of God out? Number three, choose what leads to happiness. Choose what leads to happiness. Now we got to get practical. Okay, this is all theoretical and awesome, but let's get practical. Ready? Stop complaining and blaming others for your happiness. Guilty as charged. But how can we allow what's going on around us, the negative things, how can we allow that to have so much power over us? Why do we allow others to influence our own happiness? Man, we have to stop complaining and blaming and don't let, don't let others affect your happiness. Next, choose gratitude. Choose gratitude. Man, there's a perspective shift that happens, really, when you start thanking God for what he has given you rather than looking at what he hasn't. I was just experiencing this this week. I had some stuff happen to me, and I started complaining about it. I started getting negative. I started like, allowing my attitude to go in the dumps. But then I just started to thank God for what I do have. Thank him for what he... Gratitude is a perspective shifter. I promise you that. Next time that you f start to feel unhappy and you start to, uh, more than just feel unhappy, when you start to go down the road of discontentment and unfulfillment, recognize that there is a place in gratitude in all of this. Matthew, or uh, <clears throat> sorry, next, serve with zero expectations. Serve with zero expectations. Man, this is hard for me. This is hard for our culture. We're such a performance-driven culture. We feel like we put in enough, we should get out. We put in, we should get out. Right? We feel like there has to be a ROI on everything that we do. Well, guess what? Jesus already gave us the greatest ROI that we could always, return on investment that we could ever ask for. Jesus paid it all. He did everything for us already. A question that challenges me often is, if Jesus never did another thing for you, would his sacrifice be enough? We have to serve with zero expectation. This is hard. When you're on the usher team and you've been faithful, when you're on pro presenter and you've been faithful, when you're on the greeting team and you've been faithful and faithful and faithful, it's easy 
to start having expectations of what you deserve. I'm guilty of this too. Man, I feel like if I put in time, I put in this, I put in effort, I go above and beyond, then I deserve blank. But see, when you have a kingdom perspective, when you have kingdom culture, it's quite the opposite. Jesus was the king, is the king of kings, was and is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and he came down from earth to serve us. Let's look at what he says in Matthew 20, uh, 26 or 28. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be f- first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Y'all, none of us are higher, higher than Jesus. If Jesus came off of his heavenly throne to serve us, man, we have to serve with zero expectations. I just want to encourage you, serve with zero expectations. I just want to invite the band up if you guys are in here. Lastly, surround yourself with godly people. An old youth pastor that I used to have used to always say, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Man, we don't often realize how influential the communities that we set ourselves in are. They have the power to speak life and they also have the power to speak death over you. And at One Chapel, we have groups and we have catalysts and we have all sorts of things that you can find that godly community if you're looking for it. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 in the New King James Version says, don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good habits. Man, I want to encourage you to find a godly community because there's something about bearing one another's burdens that happens inside a godly community. I say this to my students all the time. The devil thrives in isolations, in isolation. When you're not plugged into a life-giving community, man, the devil can have a heyday with you. But when you're plugged into a godly community, you have people that you can share stuff with, that you can fight stuff with. Man, this is how we attain true Jesus happiness, true fulfillment, true joy. I'm reminded when I was studying for this, I was reminded of the story of Jesus and Peter walking on the water. Right, what happens? There's, uh, the disciples are in a boat and Jesus comes to them walking on water. And Jesus tells Peter, come out to me, come walk on water to me. And so what does Peter do? He steps out of the boat and he steps on the waves, locked eyes completely with Jesus. While he's staring at Jesus, he's walking on top of the water. But then something happens. He starts to look down at the wind and the waves around him. And what happens to him? He sinks. Some of y'all feel like you're sinking in here. But I want to challenge you. The key to that story, the key to Peter staying on top of the water was what? Keeping his eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Well, the funny thing about the story is the wind and the waves was happening before he stepped out on the water. But Peter decided to lock eyes with Jesus, to come straight for him, to follow Jesus' lead. And he didn't sink until he got his eyes down on his circumstances, on the wind and the waves. Man, happiness is so interesting, isn't it? I want to encourage you today. We're, We're about to take communion. I want to encourage you, as we come to the Lord's table, I want us to have a perspective shift. 
What if instead of looking at our circumstances of why we're unhappy, we just look to Jesus? We gave everything over to Jesus. But I'm sensitive too. If you walked in the doors tonight, I want to pray for you. If you feel beaten up, if you feel down, if you feel like all of hell is throwing everything against you, I want to pray for you right now. So if that's you, I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to tell you to stand up or raise your hand or anything, but just, just have a moment with you and God. I encourage you to bow your heads, close your eyes. If that's you, if you have been lacking in this happiness, man, I just want to pray for you. Father, we love you. Jesus, we thank you that you came to give us life and life to the full. God, I pray for all my friends here. God, I ask that you would show them the way out, that you would show them the way to attain this happiness, God. Lord, we pray over the circumstances, and Holy Spirit, we ask that you would do what only you can do. God, that you would bring comfort, and you would bring healing. God, that you would bring restoration, and you would bring redemption to these situations. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks again for being here with us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, we want to help. You can find info about groups, teams, and other things happening at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're invited to services every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11.30. Have a great week.